can move. Keep me here. And he has me. Lord, my God, he heals me when I'm strength Come on now. Oh, praise his, praise his holy name. My God, my God is awesome. Is that all right? Hide behind the mountain. We're going to try to speed it up a little bit. And if I go somewhere, I just go with me. Is that all right? I guarantee you we're going to stay in the house. Is that all right? Come on. I'm going to hide behind, Lord, I hide behind the mouth. Well, Lord, and I'm going to hide, hide and be, hide behind that. Well, and I'm going to hide behind that mouth. Oh, Lord, said I'm going well. Chilling, chilling with the dawn. Well, Lord, and I'm going to hide, hide behind that mouth. Yeah. When trouble comes, I'm going hide, hide, hide behind that. Yeah, Lord, and I'm going hide, hide, hide behind that. Oh, Lord, I'm going where I'm chilling, chilling with the dawn. Well, Lord, I know that Jesus, Jesus is my mouth. Come on. Hey, Lord, I know that Jesus, Jesus is mine. Hey, and I know that my Jesus, he's my mouth. Oh, Lord, said I'm going where? Chilling, chilling with the dome. One last time. Well, Lord, and I'm going to hide. Yeah, hide behind that. Lord, you know that I'm going to hide. Yeah, hide behind that. Hey, Lord, and I'm going hide, hide, hide behind that mouth, mouth. Said I'm going well, chilling, chilling with the dome. Now right here, well, said I'm going well, chilling with the dome. Said I'm going well, come on. Lord, I'm going well. Lift your voice. Said I'm going well. No, no, no more 
No more, no more trials. I won't have to worry about sickness no more. Hey, I won't have to take another pill. Yeah, no, 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 no bills. Hey, hey, and I'm going to hide. Hide behind that. Yeah, I'm going to hide. Oh, Lord, hide behind that. Right here now. Hey, Satan, I'm going well. Say right there. Hey, Satan, I'm going well. Lord, and I'm going well. Hey, Satan, I'm going well. Oh, Lord, chilly winds that don't blow. Oh. If you love the Lord, say amen. amen. No, I'm going to ask you all again. I said, if you love the Lord, say amen. amen. Oh, no, no. No. Y'all said that like I asked y'all if y'all like dolphins. Amen. If you love the Lord, say amen. amen. Oh, that sounds like the Lord. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, get ready to praise the Lord. Tap the person in front of you. Tap that person in front of you and say, hey, you. Hey, you. Our God is better than good. Oh, give God a love deposit in this place. Remember, part. Glad to be here. Say amen. 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 I just love starting the day off right with y'all. Uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to first and foremost uh, uh, thank our ushers for doing such an awesome job. Let's give our ushers a love deposit. Amen. Uh, uh, today is love on the usher day. Amen. Uh, so if the usher come to you and tell you to slide in, just give them some love and slide on in. Amen. 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 Uh, but we want to love on our ushers today. They, they, they've got a great task. They just want to make sure everybody's uh, in position uh, and ready to praise the Lord on today. Uh, it is good uh, for us to be here in this place. Uh, I, I, I see uh, my, my, my friend and family guest just walked in. Amen. Uh, our very own mayor of Pembroke Park, Mayor Ashir Muhammad. Y'all give a love deposit in this place. Amen. Amen. Yes, indeed. She said, she said, I might pop up on you. I said, don't, don't worry about it. You pop up on me. Yeah, I want to see you in the place. So it's always good to see her in this space. A lot of great things going on in our community, uh, and it's just good to be positioned in this city. Um, I want to encourage you all to know that this is a phenomenal day. Yes, this is a phenomenal day. We are so thankful to God uh, that God has been so good to us. He woke us up this morning. 
He blessed us with life, health, and strength. Uh, he's allowed for us to come out to this place. Uh, none, none of us at this current moment of our lives, uh, we haven't uh, been touched by the angel of death. We still have life in our being. Uh, God has been good. Uh, we know full well that that, that, is not, that is not the blessing of everybody. Uh, even now, we have bereaved families here with us. Our hearts and our prayers are with the family of Sister Rowena Bryant, uh, Sister Norma Young, uh, and so many others who are in this season suffering loss. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you've made it here safe. And I can tell you that that's not a blessing that belongs to everybody. Even now, our prayers are with our very own Sister Charlene. As many of you all know, she was involved in a very bad car accident. Uh, she was T-boned. Uh, uh, the car is gone, but she is not. Amen. And, and how, how many of y'all know we ain't worried about that car? We ain't not worried about that car. That car, we ain't worried about that car. Uh, because we know uh, that, 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 that can be replaced. The life cannot. Uh, but I want you to pray for our sister even now. Uh, there is the potential that if her bones don't set accurately, she may need surgery. Uh, how many of y'all know that God knows how to move bones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read somewhere in my Bible that God can make dry bones. Uh, stand up. Yeah, God, God took a bone out of man and made woman. Say amen if you can. All I'm just saying, God's good with some bones. If y'all get that, say amen. God ain't. God in the zone with a bone. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He's in the zone with a bone. Uh, if you're glad to be here, say amen. amen. Can we please, can we please just take a moment just to express our appreciation? We've already recognized our ushers, our greeters. We want to definitely be so appreciative of them. All of our Bible school teachers on this morning definitely want to thank Adam for leading us in prayer. Definitely want to thank uh, Brother Warrior for leading us uh, in the reading of God's majestic word. And without a doubt, I am just so humbled, so grateful uh, uh, for uh, uh, Curtis Williamson just blessing us in praise. Y'all, let's give them all a love deposit. On this week, I'm going to tell you, I don't even know what you're doing. This week, from now until Wednesday, there's nothing that you're doing that's more important than what I'm about to tell you about. Nothing. Somebody said, preacher, you don't know what you're doing. I ain't got to know what you're doing. <laughs> I can tell you there's nothing more important. Now, granted, uh, there may be things that might not allow you to attend. That's a different animal. And I know that some things might not provide you the access to attend. I just want you to know that I know that we all to know that that still ain't more important than what I'm about to tell you about. Well, well. On today, um, we have a very capable, awesome man of God in our midst. Uh, I want to give him some flowers before you all. Um, I came to Southwestern Christian College in the year of 2005. 2005. Um, upon arrival to Southwestern Christian College, I met a gentleman uh, by the name of Michael Williams. You all remember Michael Williams. I love Fest. This year he was here. He blessed us in a very powerful way. Um, uh, I got to know Mike, and, and Mike is my brother. I mean, his spirit is just addictive. He's, he's a good man. He's got a great heart. Uh, and, and I understand now why he is the way he is, because I had the blessed chance of meeting his father. And his father, I'm telling you, is just an awesome man of God. Um, I, I'll tell you that I have been uh, a fan of Minister George Williams from a distance. I've always admired his skilled expression of the word of God. 
I've always appreciated how with great accuracy he makes great intentionality of sharing the word of God as God intended. Uh, he is very gifted in his expression and, and exegesis of the word. Uh, he's an expository preacher. You're going to be blessed on this week. Uh, in addition to his gift of sharing the word of God, one of the things that I really most appreciate him is his integrity and his morality. I feel like without a doubt, not only does he love God and he share God's word, but he's one of those individuals, he walks it like he talks it. Uh, his, his lovely bride is here with him. I will not take the honor of presenting her to you all. That will be his honor. He'll do that in just a moment. Uh, but I want to tell you all that, that just get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. Uh, you are going to be blessed on today. Uh, we're not only going to bless you uh, with some spiritual food, but we're also going to bless you with some physical food. If y'all ready for that, say amen. amen. And, and that'll take place after the fact, so don't be licking your chops just yet. Uh, don't, 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 don't miss the fact that today uh, could be the day that changes your life. Uh, today should be the day that changes your life. Uh, today should be the day that you begin to take inventory of your soul and allow God to make those necessary modifications that can position you uh, to be who he's called you to be. It is my great honor, my great pleasure uh, to present to you all our speaker who's going to be with us from now until the middle of the week. Uh, he is none other than Minister George Williams. Uh, he is the minister of 35 years uh, to the East Side Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. Uh, just uh, a flower to him. I remember as a student at Southwestern Christian College, um, rarely as a student do you get any chance to travel anywhere and speak multiple days in a row. As a student, they'll let you come in, you say what you got to say, and then you go somewhere and sat down. If y'all know what I'm talking about, say amen. Uh, but I'll never forget the first time I had a, a, a lengthy stretch of a gospel meeting was at the Eastside Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. Uh, it was a blessing to be there with him then. Uh, it's going to be a phenomenal blessing to be him with him this week. If y'all are ready for the man of God, say amen. amen. No, no, they all said it like that other stuff now. I said, if you're ready for the man of God, say amen. amen. Glory to God. After uh, another song, we're not going to rush him. We're not going to rush him. we got abbreviated service on today. For one day, y'all, let the Lord have his way. If y'all get that, say amen. We're not going to rush him. We're not going to rush the man. He's going to come up. He's going to bless us in song, use his gift to lift us up in praise. And at the completion of his song, the next voice that you will hear with Minister George Williams, uh, the senior minister of the Eastside Church of Christ in the city of Austin, Texas. Amen, amen. The hardest job that a song leader, praise leader has is when he's not from where you are. It's what y'all know. So I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to sing hallelujah by and by. You all know that, right? Yeah. Written by one of our own. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen, amen. Sing hallelujah by and by. Come on. When we reach that city of our new Jerusalem, oh, we're going to sing, sing hallelujah by, well, Lord, how the ransom singers will together, Lord, I know we're going to sing hallelujah, sing, Lord, come on now, oh, oh, oh. 
joy, Lord, when we, oh, and I know we're going to rest, rest beneath the cloud. Lord, yes, in that land where saints shout, oh, and I know we're going to sing hallelujah, sing. Come on now. Lord, in that mighty voice as we will so. Lord, and I know we're going to sing hallelujah. By God will be our sadness there. We'll never, and I know we're going to sing hallelujah. Sing, sing, oh, 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 what joy, Lord, when we, and I know we're going to rest, rest, be, rest beneath that cloud, oh, my Lord, and in that, in that land where saints Oh, and I know we're going to sing hallelujah. Hey, last verse, come on. Victory. Hey, oh, Lord, a victory. And we'll be ever. Lord, and I know we're going to sing hallelujah. Sing. And you know what? We'll be praising, praising, hey, our Redeemer, Lord. Hey, 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 and I know we're going to sing hallelujah. Now, if you want to sing, come on, lift it real loud right here. Shout out. Watch your oh, Lord, when we. And I know we're going to rest, rest and be, rest beneath that, Lord, and in, in that, in that land where saints shall. And I know we're going to sing hallelujah. Can we sing it one last time? Come on now.
Are we going to sing when you get there? Are you going to praise him all day long? Oh, hey, oh, what joy, Lord, I'm going to win. And I know we're going to rest, rest in deep in that cloud. What a blessing it is. What a joy and what a delight it is to be with you on this Lord's Day morning and to see the enthusiasm, the love, and the spirit that you have. Uh, I tell you what, if you are not excited about the Lord, if you are not happy to be here, then the problem is with you and not with us. Amen? Amen? You know, I often say, when the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, David did not get glad when he got to the house of God. He was glad that it was time to go to the house of God. And I believe that when we come together, there are at least three groups of people. You have the glad group, you have the sad group, and you have the mad group. Some folk are just mad at life. They come in here mad, they stay mad the whole service, and they leave mad. Some folk are sad about life. They come in here sad. They're downcast the whole time. They don't, never hear God. And then they leave sad. But then there were those who come in here glad, recognizing that God has tremendously blessed you. Amen. And then you are glad through the service. And you leave glad. I'm always looking for the glad group. So if you're in the glad group, say amen. amen. I think that's everyone. If you're in the mad group, say amen. If you're in the sad group, say amen. If you don't know what group you're in, <laughs> Anyway, it's a joy to be with you, and I thank God first and foremost for the opportunity to come. I always count it a great delight, privilege, and honor to be asked to come because there are so many others who could have come and could be standing here doing this. So I recognize that I'm honored by God and honored by your fine minister 
to have me to come. I, uh, I know Kevin, and he's just a wonderful young man. Uh, love him. He and my son were classmates together at Southwestern Christian College, and that's when I first got to know him. And as he said, when he came to Eastside and did a youth revival, so we are appreciative of him, and the work that he's doing here is tremendous. You're blessed to have a wonderful man of God, and I hope that you know that and will love him and appreciate him. And of course, his wonderful wife, amen. I, I am always, I am always convicted, and this, these are my convictions, that the church cannot love the preacher and not love the wife, amen. If you don't love my wife, you don't love me, because we are one. Amen. Don't be talking about it. You know, I love you, Kevin, but uh, that wife of yours. <laughs> you got a problem. Amen. Love his wife, love his children, love his family, and he will serve you well. And love one another, and the church will be fine. Uh, so I'm appreciative of Kevin for asking me to come and all of the brothers and the sisters that I've met, you have been wonderful, and it's just good to know that wherever I go in the brotherhood, I'm with family. I'm with family. And so I'm happy to meet this part of my family here in Florida. Now, my, my girlfriend and my wife are both with me. And she happens to be the same person. <laughs> Amen. So before you put it on Facebook, <laughs> I just want you to know that my wife and my girlfriend, just one person. <laughs> Sweetheart, please stand. And to me, she's the prettiest thing in the crowd. <laughs> Amen. So she, she is taken. <laughs> uh, all right, I, I know that I have come to preach the word, and I hope that your expectations are just to hear the word of God. Uh, you know, I'm going to do all that I can to preach him, to preach Christ, to lift him up, because my objective is not that you should see me, but that you, just, you should see Jesus. And when you leave here, that you'll have a better view and a better appreciation for what God has done for you. So let us open our Bibles. I appreciate all of those who led us. And of course, what can you say about Brother Curtis? He's an outstanding song leader. Where did the brother go? Oh, there he is right there next to the preacher. <laughs> uh, outstanding song leader. And the brothers who led us this morning just did a phenomenal job. And so I'm appreciative of each man who came forward and led us in this service. Acts chapter 2, the text was read in your hearing, and it was read well. Okay, that's what you do, stand up. All right, nothing is wrong with that. Please stand for the reading of the word. I'm doing this just for emphasis sake. Sometimes you'll see me take my glasses off because I'm trying to see. All right. Therefore, this is verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
But God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exalted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That concludes the reading of the word. Please be seated. I want to talk this morning on the subject, the first gospel sermon. The first gospel sermon. Good to see Sister Kimberly Adams. Kim sitting next to my wife. We claim her as our daughter. And she worshiped with us at Eastside for many years. And we hated to see her leave, but she had to leave and come back to Florida. But it's good to see our dear child. Good to see you, sis. God bless your heart. The first gospel sermon. The word gospel simply means good news. And in a world that's constantly being bombarded with headline after headline of negative news, it's good to know that as long as this world stands, there will always be some good news. And the good news of which I'm speaking does not come from CNN. It does not come from MSNBC. And surely it does not come from Fox. <laughs> Don't mean to be political. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. It does not come from POTUS. It does not come from the New York Times. It does not come from the Washington Post or any other news medium. The good news of which I'm speaking comes from heaven's throne. It comes from God himself. And it is revealed in God's inspired, inerrant, indestructible word called the Bible. Do you not realize what you have in your possession? Do you not realize that this is not just a book? This is the mind of God revealed to us. This is God's inspired, indestructible word. And may we always hold the word up and adhere to what thus says the Lord. Because John 12, 48 tells us that it will be the standard by which we shall be judged in the final day. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, and the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its precepts are binding, its history is true, and its commands are immutable. 
Read it to be wise. Believe it and obey it to be saved. And practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you. Spiritual food to sustain you. And comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map and the Christian's charter. Here is paradise restored, heaven opened, and hell closed. Christ is its grand subject. Our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It will reward its greatest labor and condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. The book, the book, the book of books, the book of life, the book of God, the Bible, the revelation of God to man. The book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from the book. Reading and obeying this book will terrify the devil, stupefy the rebellious, mystify the world, horrify the critics, ratify the covenant, edify the church, magnify the word, and glorify God. And the church said, amen. amen. Church, I'm thankful to God for his word. I'm in the church today because of the word of God. You know, my grandmother taught me that the Bible is the word of God. And whatever the word of God says, it's right. And so she taught me from a child to have a healthy view and respect for the Bible. And so the day came that I was confronted with the truth. I was believing that I was saved. And I was confronted with the truth. And I heard it. And it differed with what I believed. And I was confronted with this concept. Now, I've got to deal with this dilemma. Either God's word is right and I'm wrong, or I'm right and the Bible is wrong. I had to wrestle with that dilemma, and I had to say to myself, either God is right and I'm wrong, or I'm right and God is wrong. And God knows that mama didn't raise no food. I understand that God is right and the word of God is right and it cannot be wrong and so when you have a healthy view of what thus says the Lord when what thus says the Lord differs with what you believe you will lay down your beliefs and hold on to the word of God I'm thankful for the word of God because within this book is revealed the greatest love story ever told to humanity it is in the Bible that I learned the good news that man was alienated from God on his way to eternal separation from God, eternal damnation. But God, but God, but God entered the human arena in the person of Jesus Christ, died for our sins on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and rose the third day, and now has ascended back to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, making intercessions for you and for me. I learned that story in the Bible. 
And now I know that God says, I offer forgiveness to everyone. You can be forgiven of your sins and reconciled unto me. And you can have the hope of heaven and the promise of eternal life. I don't care how you slice it. That's good news. I was lost and going to hell, but God rescued me and he reconciled me. And he says, now I'm making you my child and you and I are on friendship basis now. And I'm going to give you the promise of heaven. You don't get a better deal than that. That's good news. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 25, like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. If you've ever been hot and thirsty, and I know you have in Florida, amen, uh, just like in Texas, it gets hot. And so if you've ever been hot and thirsty, then you can appreciate Solomon's analogy of cold water to a weary soul. That's the way the gospel is. It's good news from a far country. It's good news for the weary soul. It's good news for the troubled in heart. And it's good news for the confused of mind. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 through 29, come unto me. Listen to that. Come unto me. I want you to hear it. Jesus said, come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says, don't carry the heavy burden of sin. Don't carry all of that guilt around. Don't carry all of that shame around. Don't carry all of that fear around. Don't carry all of that doubt around and all of the emptiness that sin has left you with. Jesus says, it's too heavy to bear. Bring it to me. And I will give you rest. God offers you peace. God offers you forgiveness. And God offers you relief. There used to be a commercial that came on. Some of y'all probably remember it. And the commercial said, how do you spell relief? Y'all remember that? How many of y'all remember that? Kevin, that's, that's, that's before your time. But some of y'all are going to act like y'all don't know it, but you know it. But, but the commercial used to say, how do you spell relief? And they said, we spell relief R-O-L-A-I-D-S. Rolades. Well, that works for acid indigestion. But it does nothing for the soul. If you want to spare relief for your soul, relief is spelled J. Come on, church. E S U S. Jesus spells relief. I want you to think about this. This is the gospel. And so when I talk about the first gospel sermon, I'm talking about good news from heaven and I want us to look at the first gospel sermon because if you're looking for relief this morning if you came in here burdened with sin burdened with all of the problems of life and I know that life can burden us down and I understand that I know that some of you came in here this morning with problems 
And perhaps your mind may be somewhere else. But all of the stuff that you've got to deal with when you get back home. Some of you came in here with messed up marriages, messed up children, job hanging in the balance, all kinds of problems, financial problems, health issues. You have all of that stuff that you are contending with and you have come here this morning and your heart is heavy and it's burdened and on top of that, you are a distance from God. If you're looking for relief, Jesus is the answer. Jesus preached the first gospel sermon in essence in preparation because he preached the kingdom of God while he was here but that was in preparation but the gospel story could not be complete until Jesus went to the cross died on the cross and got up from the grave and once Jesus did that the gospel story was sealed listen if you will at 1 Corinthians 15 1 through 4 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. If they're going to put it up on the screen, I'll read it. If they don't, then Kevin is going to read it. All right? <laughs> All right. If they can put it on the screen, I greatly appreciate it. All right. 1 Corinthians 15, he got it up. We're good. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved. If you keep in memory... What I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all. That's not talking about chronological sequence, but it's talking about that which is most important. He says, I delivered unto you first of all that which I received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now it's important that you understand that Paul said Christ died for our sins. He didn't just die but he died for our sins. He's not the only man to ever die on the cross. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross that day, he had a thief on his left and a thief on his right. So men were dying on the cross, but only one man died for our sins, and that's Jesus. The Bible says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You see, this is what we believe in the church. That Jesus came, that Jesus suffered, and that Jesus died, and that Jesus rose again. And because he lives, we have good news this morning. The story was incomplete until Jesus died and rose again. And because Jesus is alive today, we have good news to share with the world. And the good news is that no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter how sinful you are, no matter where you are, no matter how bad you are, God says your sins can be forgiven. And here is what I love about God, church. Listen. You don't get too bad for God to save. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't get too bad for God to save. In fact, God specializes in saving bad folk. And if you came in here this morning feeling like you're unworthy, we're all unworthy. If you feel like, well, I don't fit, I don't belong. I don't belong in this church house because all of these people are, are righteous. You need to rethink that. 
Y'all need to understand that the church, I like to call it a hospital for the sin-sick soul. If you got a sin problem, the right place to be is in Christ. Everybody in here, everyone in here, am I right about what you listen to me? Everyone in here is under the care of Dr. Jesus. Everyone in here is under the care of the great physician. We're all sick and we're trying to get well. Some of us have gotten out of intensive care. And we're in therapy. But every day we need to take our medicine. And the medicine is the word of God. So I don't care how bad you are. You are not too bad for God to save. God specializes in saving bad folk. Now let's get to the text. Acts 2, 1 through 13. Acts 2, 1 through 13. All right, let's, let's go. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. Now, let me say a little bit about this as I go. Go back if you don't mind. Now, watch this. When the Pentecostals really come, they were all together, and that they, the antecedent to the they, goes back to the 11 apostles plus Matthias. So it's talking about the 12 apostles. We're all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound. What came from heaven? A sound from heaven. And it sounded like as of a rushing mighty wind. There was not a rushing mighty wind. There was a sound that sounded like a rushing mighty wind. And it, that is the sound, filled all of the house where they, the apostles, were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like it wasn't real fire, like as of fire, and it set upon each one of them, upon each one of the apostles. And this house here, for my study, because of what happened, what transpired, with all of the crowd coming together in one place, was the temple of God where there was room enough for the city to come together. And so they were there, and the Bible says there was a rushing mighty, the sound of a rushing mighty wind. God used it to get the attention of the people. Now watch this. Keep going, please. Next verse. All right? Let me read it. And the Bible says, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting in verse number three. Then there appeared to them divided tongues. I'm reading from the New King James. As a fire that set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, every time they and them, when you see those plural pronouns, it's in reference to the 12 apostles. Not the 121 or the 120. 
I'm saying it refers to the apostles. Now, these tongues that they spoke was not jabber-jew and jibber-jabber. The tongues that they spoke were intelligent languages. Watch this now. And verse number five, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this what? Sound occurred. The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own what? Own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it? that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born. Parthians and Medes and Eliamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking to, in our own language, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Now, God has their attention. Now, I want you to see this as I preach this lesson. God has set the stage. The city of Jerusalem was teeming with thousands upon thousands of Jews who had traveled from all over the diaspora to Jerusalem to attend the second of the three annual great Jewish festivals. The Jews kept three annual festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And this was the second one. Pentecost is the Greek word for 50th because it occurred 50 days after the Passover. Now watch this now. God has the perfect setup. Because just 50 days earlier, Jesus rose from the dead. Now watch this now. And the word was out all over the countryside, Kevin, all over the countryside and abroad, that the tomb of that Galilean carpenter, the tomb of that Galilean preacher, the tomb of that Galilean miracle worker named Jesus was empty three days after they crucified him and put him in the grave. And then the news was out that some folk are saying that they can't find his body. Some folk are saying that he got out of the grave and that he is still alive. But the Jewish leaders are saying that his disciples stole his body. We don't know what to believe, but the story is out. Church, God, who is the author of history, because history is his story, has them right where he wants them. He has them in the city. Watch this now. As a great multitude, the news of the resurrection is fresh off of the Jerusalem press. The city is full of people, and the people are talking about the story of the empty tomb, and perhaps some folk even went there to see, is it true? So God has set the stage. Watch what happens. Look at verses 13 through 21. The Bible says, others mocking said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the 11, watch this, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and hear my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only 
the third hour of the day. Since it's only nine o'clock in the morning, I don't know if he can make that argument now. You know, amen. Some folks start getting drunk earlier than nine o'clock. Amen. You know what I'm talking about, but stay with me. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Watch this now. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. And my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke, a vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now watch this. Peter said, let's get it straight now. Don't have your story all twisted. I want you to understand that what you're witnessing is nothing more than the fulfillment of prophecy. This has nothing to do with the pouring out of wine from a bottle, but it has everything to do with the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. What you're witnessing is the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel, taken from Joel chapter 2 and verse number 28 through 32. Everything in Joel chapter 2 did not occur on the day of Pentecost, but that was the beginning of the fulfillment of that prophecy. On that day, the Jewish flesh got the Holy Spirit, but it wasn't until Acts chapter 10 and the household of Cornelius about 10 years later before the Holy, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. And so God was simply saying, this is the beginning of the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And Peter said, keep it in that context. What you're seeing is God at work. Now watch what happens. All of these people now are together. Peter has their attention because God has gotten their attention with the noise. And then with the tongues, understanding languages, all of the people came. And it's not just the languages. But when you study that in its original language, it even gets down to the point that they spoke in the people's dialect. So they didn't just speak the tongue or the language, but they even had the dialect. And so that caught their attention, and they're listening to these men as they proclaim the message of Christ. And then Peter stands, and he takes center stage, and he begins to preach the first gospel sermon as a fact. Watch what he says in verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Now, I don't want you to miss that. I don't know if, how many times you've read that, but I don't want you to miss this. He says, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among what? Among you. By miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of whom? As ye yourselves also know, 
him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands, you have crucified and slain in essence. Now, the first thing that Peter does is that he confirms that Jesus was a literal historical figure who lived and walked the streets of Jerusalem. He was known by the people. Peter said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Why is that, Why is that important? Because Jesus was a common name. It was a common name. Jesus wasn't the only one named Jesus. Just like there's more Georges in the world and, and more Kevins in the world. But when you say Kevin, who lives in Florida, preaches at Pembroke, right? I got it, I got it. All right, I'm good. My feet can feel. Watch this now. Then I specify what Kevin I'm talking about. And so when he says Jesus of Nazareth, he says, I want you to understand that I'm talking about the one who lived named Jesus, who grew up and lived in Nazareth. Jesus was not and is not a myth. He is not a fairy tale. He is a literal, real, historical figure. And then Peter said, let me tell you something else. You guys were just here 50 days ago. Amen. Some of y'all live in Jerusalem. Now watch this. So some of you heard him preach. Listen, some of you even witnessed his miracles, his wonders, and his signs that he performed while he was here in the flesh. You remember that before they put him to death, he healed the sick opened blind eyes, opened deaf ears, restored with limbs, set free those who were held captive by the devil, and even raised the dead. You remember that. Some of you know what I'm talking about because y'all were touched by him. And if you weren't touched by him, some of your kinfolk were touched by him. And if your kinfolk weren't touched by him, some of your friends were touched by him. Peter said, he is no stranger to you. You know Jesus the man but you need to know Jesus the Christ. You know him as a man approved by God, but you need to know him as the Messiah, the Son of God. Church, there are many people who know Jesus as a historical figure. They will admit that he lived, they know that he was a man, and that he died almost 2,000 years ago, but they don't know him as the Messiah. They don't know him as the Savior of the world and as the Lord of their life. But if you will ever be saved, you've got to come to know Jesus as more than a mere man. You've got to know him as more than a good teacher. You've got to know him as more than a good philosopher or a sage of his age. You've got to know him as Jesus, the Son of God, God come in the flesh. Jesus was more than a prophet. He was more than a teacher. He was more than a moral philosopher. He was God come in the flesh. He was the son of God and he was God the son. And anything short of that is short of what the Bible teaches and it's inadequate for salvation. I'm going to skip Matthew 16 and 18, but I want you to look at John chapter 1 and verse 1 and John 1 14 and then go to John chapter 8 verse 21 through 24. All right? In the beginning was the what? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was what? And the Word what? Was God. 
Now watch this. Now I want you to see this. When the Bible says, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When the Bible says the Word was with God, literally, it means the Word was toward God. Meaning you have, God is trying to make sure, John is trying to make sure that you know that I'm talking about the Godhead. And in the Godhead, you had the Father and you had the Son, and they were face to face with one another. So we're talking about the second person in the Godhead. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse number 14, the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was God come in the flesh. And the church said, Amen. Don't you listen to these false teachers that tell you that Jesus was a created being? Don't you listen to these false teachers that tell you that Jesus was just another man, just a good man. That's a lie. Jesus was and is God. Listen to John 8, 21 through 24. John 8, 21 through 24. John 8, 21. All right. Kevin, if they don't get it, you got to get it. All right, sir. All right. John 8. Then Jesus said to them again. Then Jesus said unto them again. I am going away. And you will seek me. And you will seek me. And you will die in your sins. And you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said. So the Jews said. Will he kill himself? Will he kill himself? Because he says. Because he says. Where I go. Where I go. You cannot come. You cannot come. And he said to them. He said unto them. You are from beneath. You are from beneath. I am from above. I am from above. You are of this world. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you. Therefore I say unto you. That you will die in your sins. Watch this. That you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. Now, I want you to, to look at that, Kevin. Yes, sir. Now, read that last verse again. For if you do not believe, show it to me in your Bible. It says, therefore. All right, I want you to see this. Therefore. I said to you. I say unto you. That you will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. For if you do not believe. For if you do not believe. That I am he. That I am he. You will die in your sin. You will die in your sin. Yes. Now, Kevin, is he italicized? It is, sir. So you know what that means? It that it's not in the original text. Absolutely, yes, sir. But it's help, there to help us to understand. So if you read the original text, he says, if, if, but if you, if you don't believe that I am, when Jesus said, I am, he went back to Exodus 3 and claimed divinity. I am that I am. That's why he said in John chapter 8 and verse number 58, the same chapter when, when, when he was debating and, with, and arguing with these Jews and he said unto them, let me tell you something. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. And they said, what is wrong with you? Not even 50 years old. And are you talking about you saw Abraham? He said, let me tell you something. Before Abraham was, I am. So when Jesus talked about I am, except you believe that I am, he's saying you will die in your sins. You've got to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, God the Son. And the church said amen. That's why Jesus said, 
if you don't believe in me, you cannot be saved. Anything short of believing that Jesus was the divine son of God coming to flesh is inadequate. Watch this now. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. I'm going somewhere. Acts 4, 11 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now watch this. Let me help you to understand something. When the Bible says there is salvation in no other name other than the name of Jesus, you might say, well, Brother Williams, didn't you just say that there were other folk named Jesus? Watch this now. When the Bible talks about there is no salvation in any, other, in any other name other than the name of Jesus, it's not just the proper noun Jesus itself because, as I said, there were other Jesuses, but it's about who this Jesus was. Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God, and because of who he was, there is power in his name to save. But the power is only when you embrace who he is. Are y'all with me, church? There's power in the name of Jesus. In fact, the devil and all of the demons in hell fear his name. Are you listening to me? The angels in heaven honor his name. The sinner is saved by his name. And all of God's children praise his name. And if you want to be saved today, you must come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and not just as a man. Look at verse 23. Go back to Acts 2. And verse 23, I won't be too much longer. If you can bear just a little bit more. Can y'all bear a little bit more? Yes. Amen. Stay with me. All right. Look at verse 23. He says, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved by God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did in the midst of you as you also, as ye yourselves also know. I love this now. Watch this now. Him being delivered by what? The determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain y'all look this way and get this what an awesome God we serve Kevin Peter said what happened to Jesus stay with me now was all God's plan and according to God's purpose Nothing happened that God didn't already know would happen. He says, in essence, you guys played right into the hands of God and you worked within the context of God's eternal will and purpose to bring about salvation to humanity. What you did to Jesus didn't surprise God. What you did to Jesus did not shock God because the cross was already in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. Now let me tell you what God did. God says, I'm going to fix it before you break it. See, when, when man messed up in the garden, God didn't have to say, what am I going to do now? I got to go back. No, sir. Before God ever said, let there be light, God already had a plan that Jesus would come and die on the cross for our sins. God said, I'm going to fix what you mess up before you mess it up. What an awesome God we serve. Church, that's shouting ground. Listen, I want you to understand something. Whatever happened was on God's divine agenda. You did what God already knew you would do. And by his foreknowledge, watch this, he used your own wickedness and your own wicked ways to accomplish his divine purpose 
What an awesome God we serve. You want to know what the practical message is? Watch this, church. God can use the worst person in your life who's out to do you harm. And God can use them and their evil ways to bless your life. And they don't even recognize they're being used by God to bless your life. How great thou art. Thank you, sister. Somebody understood what I just said. That God can take that, that, that conniving, backstabbing co-worker that's trying to make you lose your job and use their evil against them to make the man give you a promotion. Don't underestimate don't, don't what God can do. Some of you have heard this story. Perhaps you've heard it. Kevin, I'm sure may have told it, but you haven't heard me say it. About this old woman, she, she loved God. She moved into this neighborhood next to an atheist. And so, every day, she'd come out on her porch and she praised God. Hallelujah, what a good God we serve. And this atheist got upset about it because he didn't love God and didn't know, that God, didn't know God, didn't believe that God existed. And so he said, I'm sick and tired of her coming out on her porch every morning, disturbing my rest, talking about, hallelujah, praise God. And so one morning, an old lady came outside and she stood and said, Lord, I'm hungry. I don't have any money. I don't have any groceries. Lord, bless me, please. Bless me with some food. And the atheist heard this. He says, now's my chance. I'm going to prove that there ain't no God. And so the atheist went out and bought all of these groceries, put them on her porch, and he waited for her to come out. And she came out, and she said, whoa, praise the Lord. Look at what the Lord has done. And that atheist jumped from around the bush. He said, I want you to know that God didn't do that. I brought those groceries and set them on the porch for you. And she started dancing around. Woo! Praise the Lord. He said, what are you praising God for now? He said, I serve a good God. God gave me all of these groceries and made the devil pay for them. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Ain't that something? <laughs> See, God can use anybody to bless his children. Are y'all listening to me? Ain't God something? I know he can do it. Won't he do it? <laughs> Amen. God can take the worst and most painful event in your life and use it for your good and for your advancement. You remember what Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You don't know what God is doing in your life. You may be in the throes of a storm right now. You may be dealing with some painful issues, sickness, death. You don't know what God is doing in your life. All I want to say to you is that you need to stay faithful in the moment. You need to stay faithful in the crisis. You need to stay faithful in the pain. You need to stay faithful in the disappointment. You need to stay faithful in the moment of discouragement and stay faithful in spite of your feelings. God blesses faithfulness. And you can be certain that God will be faithful to you and God will bring growth out of your groaning and glory out of your agony. I know it because God is the grand architect of the universe and he knows how to take what looks like a defeat and turn it into victory.
Hallelujah. And I have experienced him in my own life. I know what God can do. You don't have to tell me nothing about God. The Bible said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I have tasted him and I know what God can do. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Let me bring this to a close. Go back to Acts 2 and verse 24. Acts 2 verse 24. And I want this from the NIV if you don't mind. If you can put it up in the NIV. If not, it's all right. Acts 2 verse 24. He said, oh Lord, I know this. I love it. Now watch this now. See, see you crucified him. And you put him in the grave. Oh, hallelujah. But God... Say that with me, church. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was what? Impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Church, I don't know about you, but I thank God for but God. Somebody ought to say, I thank God for but God. I would have been on my way to hell were it not for but God. I would have been living a different life right now. Were it not for but God. I would be a different man right now if it were not for but God. Can anybody identify with that? We ought to say, I would be something else if it were not for but God. God interrupted our lives. Changed our direction. I thank God for that. Peter said, but God raised him from the dead. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And that's what separates Jesus from Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Confucius, Mohammed, Buddha, and all of the other philosophers and religious leaders and founders. They are all dead and in their graves. Amen. You can go visit wherever they are supposed to be laid to rest. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus, it's empty. Hallelujah. But God raised him from the dead and he is alive. And watch this. And I know that to be so. Because the friends of Jesus could not steal his body. Because the tomb was guarded. Amen. The enemies of Jesus would not have stolen his body. Because that would have been counterproductive to trying to prove that he was in the grave. And the devil, sure enough, would have concealed his body and left the tomb closed. But God opened the grave, not to let Jesus out, but to let the world come in and see that the grave is empty. Listen, if it were possible for the enemies of Christianity to shut the mouths of the Christians, they would have done it then. See, I know that Jesus is real and I know that Christianity is real because the enemies of the cross have been trying for almost 2,000 years to shut the story down. And they had an opportunity right there in the first century, just 50 days after the event, all they had to do when Peter was standing out there preaching all of that stuff is just say, no, that ain't true. He is the body. But 2,000 years later, they're still searching for the body. And they ain't going to find it because he ascended back to glory. Jesus is alive. Christianity is the real thing. It ain't a fairy tale. It ain't a hoax. Excuse me, it ain't a lie. 
Jesus is real. The liberal theologians and the atheists and the agnostics and the skeptics can do all they want to, but their arms are too short to box with God. God won the fight. When Jesus got out of the grave. Jesus had been given the sentence of death, but God reversed the verdict. God raised him from the dead, and he walked out of that tomb on resurrection ground never to die again. All right, look at this word. Let me get you out of here. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, if you go back to the New King James, it says but the pains of death. Watch this now. He says the pains of death. He says whom God hath raised because and having loose what? The pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Now watch this. The word pains in verse number 24 in the New King James translation and agony in the NIV in the Greek refers to, watch this now, the birth pains that a woman experiences in childbirth. What Peter is doing, watch this now, is comparing Jesus' burial in the tomb to a baby in the womb. In other words, a birth, watch this now, in other words, a birth is going to happen whether the mother is ready or not. Amen. See, when, when labor hits, she got to get to the doctor. Am I right about it? <laughs> Y'all listening to me. You see, when it was time for Jesus to come out of the tomb, the tomb had to let him go whether it was ready or not. Because Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'm going to do what? Raise it again. Three days. And I love to say it like this because Romans chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 tells us that he, when he rose from the grave, he was declared to be the son of God with power by the spirit of holiness. Now watch this. You see, the Bible says that death is for sinners. Are y'all with me? This is shouting ground. Y'all need to hear me now because the Bible says the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is eternal life. Now watch this. How many sins did Jesus commit? Not a one. So then sin, death had no legal claim on him. Am I right about it? So Friday he died, and all day Friday, death was looking for a legal reason to hold him there. Are y'all listening to me? All day Saturday, death is saying, I looked through the law, I looked through the prophets, I looked through the Psalms, and I can't find nowhere where he violated one of God's commandments. And so death said, now, I got to let him go because this one down here is giving me an upset stomach. Are y'all listening to me? And on the first day of the week, death spewed him out because death said, I can't hold him any longer. God raised him. I thank you, Jesus. That's shouting ground. Listen, let me close this thing. Peter said, wow. Oh, Lord, help me. I got a few more minutes. Can y'all bear me 10 minutes, five minutes? Uh, five minutes, that's all I need. Five minutes. Don't, don't look at the clock and hold me to five minutes, but I promise you I'm at the end. All right, now, watch this. He says, whom God had raised from the dead, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he, he should be holding the dead. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Keep going, please. 
because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with, the, with thy countenance, men and brethren. Let me freely speak unto you by, of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Now, David prophesied that somebody was going to get up out of the grave. David prophesied that, that, that somebody's flesh was not going to rot away in the grave. But it couldn't have been him. Because we can go out to David's tomb and his bones are still there. So when David was talking in prophecy about somebody coming out of the grave and referring to himself, he wasn't talking about himself because he's still dead and in the grave. Keep going. Therefore, be it a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up whoa, Christ to sit on his throne. He's saying this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his, that is Christ's soul, was not left in Hades, neither his flesh did see corruption. Keep going, please. This Jesus, the same one that was on that cross, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. But David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until what? I make your enemies of your foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know surely that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, I'd like to order. I'm coming down. He's Lord, Kyrios, and Christ, Christos. Lord, ruler, master, the one who is in control. And he's Christ, Messiah, Savior. God didn't make a mistake when he put lordship before Christship. Let me tell you something. A lot of folk want to be saved by Jesus, but they don't want to let Jesus have the reins of their lives. Now, Lord, I, I'll let you save me if I can keep doing what I'm doing. If I can keep going to the clubs and keep drinking and keep smoking that stuff and keep cussing and treating my wife bad and missing messing over my husband and, and acting bad. If I can do that and still be saved, then I, I'll take you. But the Bible said, oh, no. Lord and Christ, you want me to save you? Let me rule your life. For I call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. When they heard that, they heard that Jesus came, suffered, bled, and died. You've heard the same thing today. They were pricked. They were cut. They were convicted. Their hearts were troubled and disturbed. Their minds now recognize that we messed up. We messed up the one that we've been waiting on, the Messiah, the Christ. This is the one that died on the cross, but now he's alive. We messed up. We believe it, Peter. We know we're wrong. And maybe someone recognizes now that you've messed up in your life. You know you're wrong. You know you need forgiveness. You know you need God. 
And maybe your question is, preacher, what do I need to do to fix this? That's what they asked on that day. Now, when they heard this, they were put in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men, brethren, what shall we do? We've blown this. We need to be saved. We want to be saved. We want God's forgiveness. Uh How can we be forgiven? How can we be saved? I hope you're asking the same question. This is the first gospel sermon. The message has not changed, nor your response to it. What it was then, it is now. Now I want you to hear but the inspired, Holy Spirit-filled apostle said. And I want you to ask yourself, does it sound like what you're hearing on the radio and the television and the pulpits all over this city? And if it doesn't, then ask yourself the question, is God's word right? Or are those radio preachers and televangelists and the preachers over this city, are they right? Remember I started off talking about the word of God? It's the inspired and errant word. John 12, 48, it is the standard by which we shall be judged. Uh-huh. Listen, they asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? Look at the next. He says, then Peter said unto them, come on down to the altar and kneel on the altar and let me pray over you. Is that up there? Peter said, stay right where you are. Bow your heads. And repeat this prayer after me. Is that up there? But don't you hear that all the time? Peter said, just raise your hand. Call on the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. I believe in you. Is that up there? Well, let's see. That's what men say. But this is what God says. They heard, they believed. They said, what do we need to do now? Most preachers say, now that you believe, you don't have anything else to do. That's enough. Peter said, repent. See, the next thing you've got to do, once you hear and you believe it, you've got to decide what you're going to do with it. Am I going to change or am I not going to change? Am I going to give my life to God or am I not going to give my life to God? Repentance means to have a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. You change your head and then your actions will change. So it is to say, I'm ready to stop living for the world and start living for you, Jesus. That's repentance. It doesn't mean you'll never sin again. It just means that your mind has changed about sin. Amen. You used to live the sin and long to sin and have a good time sinning. You become a Christian, Jesus messes you up for good. Oh, you ain't going to never be happy sinning again. You ain't going to never be happy. You go into that bar, you're going to be all uncommon. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you're in that strip joint, you ain't going to be, oh, Lord. Because, see, Jesus will mess you up for good. Am I right? Amen. He'll mess you up. I know you don't like this, but it is what it is. Repentance, I change my mind, leads to a change of life. And then he says, repent and, 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 
and is a coordinated conjunction that connects two things that are going in both in the same direction what comes before and after are equally as important if you were in a burning building this morning, if this building were burning, and I would say, now you want to be saved, you want to get out of here, or rise and exit. You got two things to do. If you rise and stand, you're going to burn up in here. But I said, rise and exit. Which one can you leave out? But folk do it all the time. Baptism ain't necessary. Not just some water. Repent. And. Respect the word of God. Be baptized. How many? Every one of you. See, God does not have one plan for one group and another plan for another group. It's the same for everybody, every race, on every continent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name by the authority of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The remission of sin, remission simply means the removal, the forgiveness of. When you hear the word, believe it, and you confess the name of Christ, and we find that in Acts 8. 36 through 38, and you're baptized in water for the remission of your sins. The Lord saves you by his grace, gives you his spirit, adds you to his church. 3,000 souls obeyed the gospel on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 souls got baptized. If baptism was not essential to salvation, why are you baptized 3,000 folk? I ain't taking time to baptize 3,000 folk if I ain't got to get them in the water. That's too much work. <laughs> Say amen if you can. They obeyed the gospel and the Lord added them according to Acts 2.47 to the church. He'll do the same thing for you. You want to be saved? When the Lord saves you, he adds you. You don't join the church. You don't have to join it. Just obey. And when you obey, the Lord puts you in his church, his family, which is the Lord's church, the church of Christ, his body, his house, his family. Will you come as we together say this? I really love the Lord. Oh, I really love the Lord. Oh, you don't know what he loves.
done for me. He gave me the victory. Is that all right? God is good. And all the time. Our God is indeed better than good. Amen. Give the man of God another hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. I come before you this time to read the prayer request. I ask that as I read your name that you be acknowledged so that we may see who you are. We know that the effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Amen? Amen. We have uh, Kareem Britt coming on behalf of Self for spiritual strength, job, and school. Uh, I just want to thank God uh, for all that he's done and all that I have. I pray that it continues forever. Amen. Uh, we have uh, Marty Williams 